Hey everybody, welcome to the Cinema Nerd Presents Made in the 90s. My name is Kyle Woods, I'm here with Dylan. We're continuing our experience of Halloween Fright Fest with Urban Legend. Dylan, what's an urban legend? What is an urban legend or what is the movie Urban Legend? Let's start with one and go to the other. Okay, well, an urban legend is essentially just a tall tale, like about usually something crazy happening to a certain person. Um, uh, yeah, they're they're I, and the and to put it to put it in the terms of I know what you did last summer. <laughs> uh, it's a uh, like the fisherman urban legend is an allegory for women to not have premarital sex. Sure, yeah, there's a lot of, um, yeah, sort of cautionary tale stuff going on with the urban legends, right? Mm-hmm. Which puts them in the folk- folklore camp, which is, I guess, the point that uh, Robert England is making and the reason he's employed as a professor of urban legends. Mm-hmm. Still one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. I fucking <laughs> love it. It's so good. Well, before we talk about everybody else and all of their various hijinks, have you seen anything else you want to talk about? Any good movies in your past? <clears throat> no, nothing within the past week, really. But I do want to add something here that I just learned and I think is a new piece of trivia for the movie I Know What You Did Last Summer. Because right. this wasn't on anything that I read, but I just saw an interview with Jennifer Love Hewitt. And they asked her about that famous scene of her going, what are you waiting for? (laughs) And she was like, you know, that's actually, there was a student that won a contest and he got to direct a scene in the movie. And that was the scene he got to direct. And that whole thing is all this one student. And it became like the most iconic scene in the whole movie. Where is that student now? I have no idea. I, uh, I can't find anything about it anymore. That's crazy. Wow. Wow. I mean, it's a very expressive scene and it is a little punchier than the rest of the movie. I'll give it that. <laughs> yeah. It, Jennifer Love Hewitt in the interview is like, oh God, I have to, you want me to do that? You want me to do all that? And he's like, yeah, yeah. I want the shot above you and I want you circling and doing this. And she's like, okay, I guess let's do it. <laughs> it looks good, and it became, I mean, iconic, right? It's the yeah, thing it's in does. the trailer. Like, it's one of the most iconic shots in the trailer, and then became an iconic shot of the movie. Right. And like, <laughs> it's so iconic that she, that's how she spends the sequel, is just with her arms open, spinning in circles. Uh, I don't have much either, man. I'll run through a couple. Um, I ended up going through a marathon of third movies in various franchises okay so it started with tokyo drift because i was trying to prove a point about how important that is to the franchise yep i like that i like that one too i really do i like lucas black i think he's sort of like understated maybe not underrated and you know who's better than you expect him to be is bow wow (laughs) not a bad actor that bow wow yep Anyways, I'm not going to say too much about it. I like that movie a lot. I have fun with it. It's it's kind of, you know, everything I need. And plus Tokyo, man. Tokyo. Tokyo. So we also watched uh, Jurassic Park 3. Mm-hmm. I like that movie, man. I The more 
I watch it, I like it more than two. I think two two goes into like some really insane directions that I don't understand. The third one still does the same, like, and I don't get why they don't address the dinosaur at all being out in San Diego in the third movie. And then the end of the third movie ends with fucking pterodactyls flying (laughs) over the ocean. Where the fuck are they now? What's going on? (laughs) On to the next one. That should have been number four. I liked Jurassic World, which, like, it's not perfect, but I enjoyed it. And I really hated Fallen Kingdom, the newest one. I really hated it. There was only one moment that I liked in it, and I thought the rest was trash. Well, let me posit an adventure or a guess, but that is that one moment, the moment that is essentially Jurassic Park 3. Like, when it's the raptor in the haunted house, that's no. really cool. Oh, okay. No. No? In the new one? No. Yeah, I hated, in Fallen I Kingdom. hated everything in the mansion. Hated everything. The one part I liked was them it's sad it's it's the only part that evoked emotion out of me was the the uh bronchiosaurus walk into the dock and then getting caught in the flame and it like you see it go up and it fucking dies in the burst and it looked uh the director modeled the look after et's heart (laughs) Uh, like I like that moment. That's it. And then well, it's evocative, but it's kind of nothing. I don't know. I'm not here to talk to like relitigate all the Jurassic Park sequels, but I will say Jurassic Park 3 is it's the fun. best Jurassic Park movie That's that fun. has other words in the title besides Jurassic Park. <laughs> I like that. The it's just yeah, it's just Jurassic Park 3. There's yeah. no <laughs> addendum to it. Yeah. Yeah, and they're just running from dinosaurs the whole time. It's a blast. And I love William H. Macy and Tia Leone. I, I, I do like them. I, I, it's a ridiculous subplot that they're a divorced couple that fucking pretend to be together to go find their kid. And I'm just they like, get their when kid you find out it. they're getting divorced, I'm just like, what? Yeah, because they're lying about everything. Their whole thing is deceit. I, um, I don't like, love... It bothers me she let her kid go off with this like is it a boyfriend or is it a stepdad stepdad okay yeah, okay. she's remarried it's her husband where was she probably on the yacht you know fair enough i don't love Taya leone i really like william h macy i wonder if Taya leone is like because I, I also recently watched spanglish i did too uh, well like a few months back but i did rewatch it that's a i mean it's a tough one because she's never a human being. You know what I mean? Like she's she's a, she's a Karen. She's a kid. Okay, fair enough. And so you know what are you know the other? She kind of plays these, you know, really big characters. And I remember liking the sitcom that she was on. What's that? I don't know. It was something like. Oh, Jesus. She might have been like a, a paparazzi or a photographer or some shit like that, or like an entertainment writer. Oh, I have no idea. It had a similar plot to, you remember that Courtney Cox show, Dirt? Yeah, I, that's what my head went to, but I was like, I don't remember her in that. It had similar vibes, but it's from the early 90s. It's not the same show. 
Um, yeah, I don't know. I never really respond to her, but I always kind of want to. Although I love Deep Impact, and I just think she's not gotten roles to act within, but I also wonder what her skill set is. I love Deep Impact as well. I really love Deep Impact. Um, anyways, finish, finishing up my trilogy of third movies in this series, I also watched Mission Impossible 3. Oh, it's so good. It's so good, dude. It was the first time in years that I'd seen that one, and it just it holds up. It's real, real, real good. Philip Seymour Hoffman is a Ugh. I'm gonna be real good. Also, kind of like Tokyo Drift, where Mission Impossible Three—it's the first one with Simon Pegg and and Michelle Monaghan. It's kind of like it—it's the reason the movies become what they become, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and Tom starts really doing all his own stunts fully in the next. like in the fourth one so like the third one like all of them he does do a lot of his own stunts but like the second one he definitely did do some of that rock climbing shit obviously he's on a harness attached to the top of the cliffs but he had a stunt double for a lot of it as well and the third one uh they don't do anything like crazy like all the crazy stuff is kind of like cgi there's a lot of plane stunts in the third one and then they also kind of do like revisit the rope work from the first one yeah i i I think i think uh when in the third one when he parachutes off of the building right uh i do believe he does run and actually jump off and parachute off a building, but they don't film the actual parachute part. It becomes a CGI version. Yeah, because I remember clearly him running and jumping off the building, but then it cuts to like him trying to open it and it gets like tangled or some shit. And he ends up it's like shot through maybe, but yeah. Okay, something like that. It definitely goes awry and he ends up in a position where he can't like can't get it off quick enough although in the previous scene he's had the wherewithal to shoot two different people while he was sliding down the side of the building but now we've got a moment's rest doesn't understand that it's a time to take off the parachute and get sucked back (laughs) out the window which actually man mission impossible 3 has one of the weirdest moments in the whole series where he it's about midway through and i forget what the setup for the stunt is but Tom Cruise, maybe it's when he's jumping the walls at the Vatican and he gets up to the top of the wall and he looks to camera and goes, Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. I remember that line. It's insane. It's like... He looked in the camera? Dude, he breaks forth. It, he, I, gotta, I don't remember that. I gotta watch that. I don't understand what that moment is doing in that movie. I like All I can think is that it's it, it it's not is it jj's first feature but it feels like it also obviously with like carrie russell in there as well it feels very tv you know it kind of feels like an episode of alias on the grandest scale so That's, when somebody does something a little punchy and, and tv fun it it feels in tone with the movie but insane for a mission impossible movie knowing where we are now <laughs> One thing I don't like about the Mission Impossible movies that 
has been done since the TV show. And so the movies just evoked that because the TV show was a hit. And so they, they want to follow what the, the TV show did, but is show you everything that's happening in the movie in the credit sequence that starts the movie. Yeah, I think they have a tendency to maybe go a little far. I really like that when we get it. it. What's that? The TV show showed you the way they like said like uh, they wanted to hook the audience right in the beginning to show them what they are going to see for the next 30, 45 minutes, however long the TV show was. It's a trailer. They would show show all the action that happens. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, but don't do that for the movies. Like, we know what we're getting ourselves into. Yeah, I like the very expressionistic version of it, like the James Bond thing, where we're kind of going through the set pieces, but not giving away the action, you know? (laughs) Or um, there's another one that just came to mind. But like, oh, Catch Me If You Can does a really good job of it. it. um, Yeah, but it's like an animated title sequence. Yeah. Yeah, it's not giving away a lot of the plot but it does show him like walking with girls into the airport as as a cartoon and that's entertaining yeah i get that it's entertaining and if you know you know on second third view when you're watching it you get what's happening you're like oh i see it's sort of like the mural in midsummer right where where you go back to look at you're like oh oh, all right but yeah, I, I agree with you. Mission Impossible movies tend to be like, well, well, that's everything. All right, fine. That's everything. Okay, cool. I get it. Yeah. So that's me, man. Should we talk about Urban Legend? Urban Legend. Was it your first time seeing it? <laughs> this is my first time seeing it. And? And I thought it was okay. 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 I it was okay. I didn't hate it but I didn't respond very strongly to it. And when I did respond strongly, I was a little like, ah, give me a break, you know? <laughs> I bet your opinion would be different if you saw it as a kid. I'm sure it would. Yeah, because but that's how I felt about Spawn. And have you seen Spawn lately? Not within like five, six years, but last time I watched it, I still remember being entertained. It's not like a perfect story. <laughs> it's uh not a perfect anything (laughs) um okay so um there's a bunch of deaths happening at this college and they're all related to urban legends urban legends we got professor uh fucking nightmare on elm street teaching a class about urban legends yep I mean, for some reason, because that's the conceit of this movie. Yeah. That's, I'll just say it like right up front is like, it's super high concept. I mean, it's kind of the same problem as I know what you did last summer. It needs to be more fun, right? And it's trying to have that fun, but everything's just kind of like a B-list version of everything that this movie's trying to be. It's riddled with cliches. It's, which is fine, but it it kind of, I don't know if it's taking itself too seriously or if it's like just not having enough fun with itself. Well, that- I've listened to uh, and watched, I've watched the making of it and the commentary of the movie. And the director, like, 
in, in my head, this movie should be gorier. I definitely, definitely want more blood definitely. in this movie. But like he talks about, about specifically with the opening scene uh, and the drive, the girl driver getting her head chopped off. But you don't see the head come out of the window at all. You just see that the axe come through the window. He was like, you know, we we looked it over and I was like, you don't need to see the head. Let's just do a gesture with the camera that the axe is coming into her head. And then we just cut to the window breaking. You don't need to see all of that blood and gore. And I was like, huh, but why? He never like fully explained. It was just like a, a choice he wanted to make right out of the bat, uh, at, right out of the gate. It, it's, it's bailing out. Yeah. And this, this movie's kind of bailing out the whole way. So we get to like where we end up is um, Jared Leto is in this movie and is not the killer, even though he's clearly telegraphed as the killer the whole way. And then even no, though, no, they got to subvert your expectations. Right. But and, and there's almost fun to be had there because he's negotiating the story that he wants to write about Rebecca Gayhart but then just immediately bails out, like he bails out on that. And then uh, uh, the redheaded hero, whose name I've- uh, Alicia Witt. Alicia Witt, thank you. Um, who's an actor I really like a lot um, and was happy to see her here. But she is also like, wait, just bails out. So doesn't matter about whether you're gonna get your scoop or was that a serious thing? and. I, I like this movie a little better if I, if Jared Leto is the killer or if he like has that last moment team up of like, oh, you know what? I actually am a psychopath. Here's my invitation. I'm going with it. There are a bunch of different places. I mean, motherfucking Freddy is in this movie and it, it, it's just like totally toned down, you know? So you don't like that Rebecca Gayhart is the killer? I don't know. I don't mind that. I actually kind of like that Rebecca Gayhart is the killer. And it, I, but I don't like that it's sloppy about just fridging her for the entire second half of the movie. You know what I mean? When she shows back up, you're like, well, we haven't, we haven't had any of the fun indicators, right? Like part of the, the fun of a movie like this is, ooh, who's the killer? Who's the killer, right? We love asking yeah. that question. Yeah, yeah. And if we get a little clue that we can go back on second viewing and be like, okay, that I was given the information. I just was looking in a different direction. I just it's don't there. think- There's a lot there. Then why does she have to say all of it in a 10 minute dialogue at the end minute? Because it's a fucking horror movie that's gotta tell you everything. No, it, but it doesn't. It's already, do. she's already set up this whole elaborate plan to fucking kill her. <laughs> of course she's got to explain to her why she's doing it. Right, okay, but so like we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks, Scream is a movie that does that and then takes us to another place. It gives yes. us an actual additional turn. This movie doesn't do that. See where it tries I tries to, so but then it fails out on a sequel setup where it's like, or is this an urban legend? Because the whole movie you've just been watching is a story that I was telling. 
Well, there is a sequel, and it's called Urban Legend Final Cut, and I like it a lot. I just watched it last night, uh, but I figured we wouldn't talk about it, really, because... I haven't is, seen it, but I wish that I had. Uh, it's from 2000, and it's... it's also about, 2005 follow-up. There's a third in the series. Yeah, Bloody Mary. I've seen there it is. as well. Uh, uh, but uh, the second one follows film students... <laughs> trying to make their thesis film and someone is killing them off in like a fucking uh fencing mask <laughs> uh that's a pretty like that's a good image especially mm-hmm. if you photograph it well but Re- and the so the way it connects to the first one is that reese the security guard she uh has this whole explanation in the second movie that um uh she's talking to the main character in the second movie and she says you ever heard of the urban legend about the school that tried to cover up all those murders and she's like yeah it supposedly <laughs> opened at pendleton or something and the urban like, legend yeah. urban legend well because she then goes yeah but it's she then goes on to explain that she was fired from her job at that college because she wouldn't go along with the cover-up and so she started outing them, but uh, it took her three years to find another job. And that turned out to be this college. And now murders are happening there as well. Yeah. And Rebecca Gayhart has a very small cameo in the <laughs> credits of the second movie. Oh, boy. I will watch it at some point. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, I, I kind of want to return to the thesis of it just to sum it up, which is that it's like, it's such a sweaty premise to begin with. And you're even, you know, to make a sequel out of the same premise is even sweatier. Like it, it just is, you're reaching so hard the whole time for any dramatic tension. And, you know, I don't mean, there's a couple of actors in here who I really enjoy, but I don't think we're going to call any of them great performers, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I do think the security guard Reese is a great, I think she gives a great performance in this because she's obsessed with coffee and I love her quoting coffee. I do too. Uh, Loretta Devine. And I think Rebecca Gayhart is really good as well. Loretta Devine is the only person who really understands the movie that they're in. And it's because that character is like, oh, we're doing camp fun. Got it. Let's do camp fun. Everybody else is taking it a little bit too seriously. And this concept is nothing. It's paper thin. It, it has no weight to it. Let's just scream. And everybody's a little too moody. I mean, fucking Jared Leto is not the killer in this movie and is playing a normal person. It's just a mistake. What's wrong with that? Excuse me, Jared Leto runs a cult and didn't know that COVID had happened because he was- This is all before all of that. This is before Requiem. Dude, you can't convince me Jared Leto was ever a normal person. Look at him. He's so creepy. He's creepy. But that's why they casted him because they wanted to subvert your expectations. For to what end? So what do we get out of the subversion? You know what I mean? 
Like, at least if we would have had dumb fun with the Urban Legends movie, we would have had dumb fun with Urban Legends and seen some gore. I have the same complaint that I did about I Know What You Did last summer. It's like, if we're doing dumb fun, let's do dumb fun. Why are you saying my expectations? I'm trying to think of the goriest moment in this, and it's probably the dog in the microwave, even though it's very quick. And then I think the most violent one is Michael Rosenbaum's death with the fucking yeah. going down his throat yeah that, that's that terrified me uh i'm like fuck that <laughs> yeah i also but even um, as a kid this was never like a like it never truly scared me but i all for i love that aspect of who is the killer and even like even as a kid i think i even thought jared leto was gonna be the killer uh but like he's so hey, obviously they have a female killer. I like that. I like if if this it just doesn't earn it. You know what I mean? If this movie had done something with the subversions that it sets up, if it had a, a reason other than like we're doing it different, or just I don't know, kind of anything on its mind, I would give it credit for that. But it, it, as it is, it's neither hide nor hair is that the phrase and part of it unfortunately become comes from the 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 nature of urban legends right so horror movies if you're not going to take something gravitational away from it you're going to have some like splattery good fun so that comes from like the kills and the set pieces and the tension of not knowing exactly where the dude's going to jump out from or what this what's what the violent force is but this movie is like hey you know all those urban legends you know you know them so there's no tension we know them we know the story you know what it would be? this movie needs to be like vf uh, uh what is it uh vhs or trick-or-treat it would be a much better anthology i would watch short stories about each of these little killers and then just have a good time. I the fact that we're trying to string it together into a mythos is a it's just a failure. And again, if you're going, you can succeed that way, but say it on its face that this is just dumb fun. And I don't know. I think this like it's a little surprising that this movie is R because it could be a PG thirteen. Like this movie is R. I, yeah. I hate it even um, more. What a way. Yeah, no. I'm pretty sure it's R because of the sex that her roommate's having. Right. And then the fact that she gets fucking murdered, seeming that it's like she's having sex. That's pretty uh, awesome. I'll, gi- I'll give them that. Yeah, that was a good one. Waking up to that. But just like, what? Uh, wake up in the morning and... Uh, it's, that's so traumatic. That's so deeply, deeply traumatic. And then the movie is just like, now nah, let's have fun. But not too much fun. Well, Alicia Witt is very, very moody throughout this whole movie. Because everything is connected to her. You find out later on that the woman killed in the car in the beginning was her high school best friend, but they had a falling out after they accidentally murdered someone by doing the urban legend of flashing headlights right. at an oncoming car with no lights. 
And turns out that was Rebecca Gayhart and her husband. Right. And they killed her husband, and now Rebecca Gayhart wants her revenge. And that's how we get into this thing. Yeah. Uh, no, I love like the ending does what it is really supposed to do uh, like in the commentary the this is one thing that the director wishes he could take out because it serves no real purpose to anything but to slightly divert your expectations from Rebecca Gayhart and give you like a little like tension moment is when Rebecca Gayhart is swimming in the pool and you see the fucking I have that down Yeah, he's like, I wish I could take that whole scene out, but like, it, we just never could get it to work on the day, and then, like, and we just had to kind of keep it. Terrible. I need to expand on that for a moment because there's there's like a radio voiceover, like a a radio announcer who's like, oh, it's it's the rainiest it's been in three hundred years all of a sudden. <laughs> so that's ostensibly why she's wearing the parka. But then she's still wearing a parka at a pool. It's the least human a thing little human in inside of there. <laughs> makes no fucking sense in any version of reality. Um, yeah, they should have taken, ah, whatever. And so, okay, here's another, like, they must have, did they change the ending? Is that possible? Okay. No, no, no. They said from the beginning they started casting the role that Rebecca Gayhart was going for every actress that came in had to audition the final moment of revealing everything and Rebecca Gayhart just killed it and she got it she's good okay and she does pull that off because she can do like crazy eyes like Mm -hmm. intense speech whether it's about the motivations of a killer or like why uh the scorned lover deserves all the hatred whatever she's she's got that down for sure um but the problem with this shit like uh, oh my god i can't even say all the words at once (laughs) here's the thing is like it's totally unearned and it pushes us way too hard towards jared leto so like when we see the murder weapons and okay there's like a double cross or a a double red herring when we find robert england's murder weapons Uh right and then there's the scene where alicia witt suspects jared leto and And rebecca with her and they see the stuff in the back of his car uh it's in the office right oh okay i'm thinking later on when they they're uh alicia witt rebecca gayhart and jared leto are driving to get away and they stop at a gas station and then they open up the back of his car and find all the the stuff (laughs) a different time (laughs) when jared leto is clearly being telegraphed as the obvious murderer of this movie rebecca gayhart planted it Fair enough. But there, uh, Alicia Witt's questioning him, and she's standing next to a lamp, right? And on the lamp, on top of the lampshade, are three books. Two of them do not have a label. One of them does. It's called I Am Eve. And then, on top of the stack of books, which... (laughs) 
is a rubber snake. And I have to remind you that this stack of books is on top of a standing lamp. It's the most insane <laughs> scene a shot. What the fuck is the word I'm even looking for? I don't know I'd have to go back and look at that. That sounds insane. <laughs> Dude, it's the most insane set decoration I've ever seen in any movie. It is a floor <laughs> lamp with three books on top of the floor lamp, the standing lamp, with a rubber snake on top of that. One of the books has a clearly printed label that says, I am Eve. And uh, the hero of this movie is standing right next to it. That's great. I mean, it's not great. It's really terrible foreshadowing of like, hey, secret knowledge being revealed. Our protagonist just took a bite of the apple. Wink, wink, wink. Except you're being slapped in the face. And then there's just nothing. Just nothing that it does with this. Instead of having all the fun in the world, it's like, nah. Uh, so here is a fun fact. They give away who the killer is in the crest motto of the school. You only see it a few times, like really quickly, because they don't want you to fucking see it really. But the, the motto of the school is the best friend did it. Okay. <laughs> That's an insane motto for a school, but well, I know like they that. just wanted to give it away. I'd like, hey, yeah, they just wanted to put it in there. But uh, what? Do more of that. That could be fun. I get it. No, the movie could. I, I like the idea of an anthology of it, but like to make just like, but to make this movie better, I think it needs more gore. And I think it needs uh, uh, hmm, what's the right way to put this? That's not interesting deaths because I actually like most of the deaths in this. I like yeah, Joshua Jackson's death. They need to be better directed. That's probably unfortunately they're not photographed very interestingly. There's a lot of wide coverage, and even where it should be like super fast. It, it's maybe five frames too long and we don't linger quite enough where we want to look at the blood and just like set with the ugliness of human violence. It's five frames too short. You know, it, it just is never quite hitting any tone for me to make. I, so since you brought us there, I, I've kind of said it. But it needs to go Scream 2, and Jared Leto and Rebecca Gayhart need to be working together, and we need to be, like, dialed up to 12 from the third scene in this movie, because the first few scenes of this movie are going all the way, like, the dude has the stutter, so he can't warn her that there's somebody in the back seat. I love it. The opening scene is so good. It's a blast, man. It's, it's like... The, the exact right kind of dumb fun. And then did, you, did you see, because you, you hadn't seen the movie, but did you know that was going to be the urban legend when, like, you're like, oh, what is going on? Like, why is, is he trying to kill her? But then when he spits it out, you're like, oh, I see. Um, I didn't know that was going to be the urban legend. I was willing to go with them as far as, like, uh, 
sort of Hollywood urban legend of just like creepy gas station owner mm-hmm. in the country conceit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so when we get back in the car, I was like, oh, that's the movie we're in? Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I thought of that movie again. That is the urban legend that is like the most terrifying. Because it, it, I don't know, just like that idea, you get in your car and someone's in your backseat. Like that, oh, oh, it still gives me chills just thinking about it. Well, speaking of that opening scene, I think it's the second most enjoyable screen rendition of that song. Uh, her fucking up the lyrics to it. Yeah. But the first one being old school. Thank you, Dylan. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. Also, I need to point out that um, <laughs> I know this is not uh, Kevin Williamson's responsibility, but the way she looks back and like is not paying attention <laughs> Kevin to the Williamson. Hang on, I'm going somewhere with this. I'm taking any opportunity I can to savage Kevin Williamson, and this is one of them. Okay. She's, uh, when she looks back, I don't know if she like, it's, it's before she stops at the gas station, but she like drops something, looks down, whatever. Do you remember how Dawson's dad, do you remember the story of Mitch, how that ends? Doesn't he die? Yeah. And like in season five or so, maybe season four, it's towards the end of the run. And he and Dawson get into a fight, and then Mitch is like, I gotta, I gotta blow off some steam. I'm going to get some ice cream. So he's driving down the road, eating an ice cream cone while he's driving. And then the ice cream cone, the ice cream ball falls off of the cone. Uh-huh. <laughs> So for a second, Mitch just has a cone with no ice cream. And he makes the decision to reach down and pick up the ice cream with his bare hand. Thus taking the eyes off of the road and dying in a horrible car accident. Because he was picking up ice cream with his bare hand after eating an ice cream cone while driving. Off of his dirty floor. Off of the floor. <laughs> There's I do, like, I do, I do remember that. Uh, I listen. Stop I want to say that was uh, yeah. Kevin Williamson approved that, but I bet that was one of the staff writers that came up with it. And Kevin Williamson was just done with it at that point. He's like, yeah, yeah. My theory on it was that uh, maybe Mitch left to like thought he had a better offer, went to join a different TV show, maybe went to do a do a movie. And they were like, you know what? You are falling down the elevator shaft, buddy. Fuck you. <laughs> it's, Let's see. What, oh, it, it, it ended in 03? I, I don't know offhand. Oh, okay. Uh, I was just trying to place where season five was in the timeline <laughs> of his work. Uh, also, one more Dawson's Creek note, which is that uh, before Joshua Jackson gets it, he uh, turns on the radio and all the going. Yep. Yep. Uh, apparently, according to the director, when that, every time he watched it with an audience when it was first screening, that was the part that everyone fucking just loved. And I was like, of course they did. That was the For height sure of Dawson's Creek. 
Oh, okay, let's say one more thing about Dawson's Creek. You know what I really fucking hate that they that happened? No. Uh, no like and it's that they changed that song. That's okay. This made me fucking crazy because I watched it recently off of, and it was an Amazon web, you know. Yeah, and so I had to look it up. Yeah, they lost the copyrights to it back in the day. So that was fucking straight up. They, that other song like grew on me and I'd like find myself singing fucking parts of it. Like, oh my God, it's like ringing in my head right now. Oh, and I can't. Yeah, Rose. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hearts and arrows. Shoots and <laughs> I hate it. So I do too. I do too. But you're doing exactly what I do. It just, it's stuck in your head and you just fucking sing it. I would much rather have that original first season theme song. Truly. Oh man, that's too funny. Um, okay, one more thing about uh, Urban Legend. I really like Tara Reid in this movie. I think she's pretty good here too. I, I also I found myself watching it and feeling sort of like sad for her. It's not even that she's great here. It's just that she's like, oh, she's she looks like a human being. She's giving a natural performance. Yeah, like the dialogue they write for her, like doing the whole like love line on the college radio. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, I love I love all of that, and she's very snappy and kind of a bitch to a lot of her callers, but uh, uh yeah, they they deserve it honestly. They do, they do. Uh, actually, yeah, because one caller's like, uh, I took my roommate's birth control and replaced it with baby aspirin. Evil, evil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's and then she insists that she didn't steal it she just borrowed it <laughs> it's the worst uh since we're doing shout outs i want to give out a shout out to uh oh neville what's his damn John, first name John neville thank you very much yeah dean adams happy to see him show up here yep and he does uh, really yeah. also fun fact tara reed did all of her stunts like actually jumping off of those that staircase and then you know what that when she lands i'm concerned for her oh my god i'm right there with you it's she hits the ground and has like this uh, like it's very painful and scared i'm like that's a great moment yeah i'm right there with you yeah good stunt actually fuck yeah tara reed deserves the show man good work Mm mm-hmm yeah, I mean, I, I don't have a lot. I wish it was more fun. I think it's like, it would be a quality programmer is kind of like midday in a horror movie marathon. You know, where people are like, the audience is kind of half full. There might be, this is maybe the one where you want to go and like grab lunch. But if you caught a few minutes of it, you might be like, oh, this is fucking Robert England's in this movie. Or, you know, I just, I wish there was a little more here. I see what you're saying. I think, like, if someone were to come into this movie, just, like, just, like, come into it at a random point, it would be best to catch it within the last 30 minutes so that, like, everything's kind of amped up. They're running around, and you start, you kind of know that Jared Leto might be the killer at that point, uh, and then they, and then you just see the twist that it's Rebecca Gayhart. And then I think that would make people be like, huh, maybe I should go back and rewatch this movie. But you shouldn't go back and rewatch this movie. 
I've done it many times. <laughs> Dylan leaned all the way forward to his camera to make that point. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I like it more than I know what you did last summer. Okay. There's a little more here for me. But it needs to take the next step of I still know what you did last summer and just go balls out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. That, that's well, what I got. I don't know. You got anything else? No, man. Nothing else. Let's see if there's a little trivia that we didn't catch. Yeah, nothing that I'm seeing really that's fun. <laughs> yeah. It, it is. It's It's unfortunately just kind of, you know, disposable. I guess that's what I'm going to get. This director, Jamie Blanks, uh, made another early 2000s horror movie that I like called Valentine. Do you remember that? With, um, uh, it's like an all-female cast. It's Denise Richards, Marley Shelton, um, oh, uh, Catherine Heigl's even in it. This one wasn't uh, 3D, though, was it? No, 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 no. You're thinking my bloody Valentine. That is what I'm The thinking. remake of the 80s film. This is just called Valentine, and the, the killer goes around wearing, like, a Cupid mask. I kind of feel like I've seen that. Denise Richards is in it, you said? Yeah, she's one of the main stars. Uh, I'm going to watch it in the near term anyway. Yeah, it, like, honestly, it's not, like, the best horror movie, but it's a fun whodunit. <laughs> all right i mean i do yeah. love a whodunit wait a second you remember this movie <laughs> no i um i'm sorry i'm just being blown away because do you know the writer of this movie silvio horta uh-huh he created ugly betty and wrote 85 episodes Really? Yeah. Fucking heck. Uh, yeah, no, I'm looking now. That's crazy. That's wild. Oh, I, I mean, and he's a writer on this show called P-Valley that Sarah just binge-watched all of. I think, unfortunately, uh, he, he died very recently. He died in January. Oh, damn. Was it from COVID? No, he died of a, a self-inflicted gunshot wound, unfortunately. Oh, bummer. Yeah. But he was a, a very talented writer. I mean, I did you watch any Ugly Betty? I did not, but I know it's a very... I love America Ferreira. <laughs> She's very good. Amazing. She's good in that show. It, it's... Um, and Vivica... Vivica? If, no, no, sorry. Um, Jesus. Veronica Williams? Who am I trying to talk about? I don't know. Uh, she's the boss in this movie, or in uh, Ugly Betty. In Ugly Betty? Yeah, it's... Uh, Vanessa Williams. Vanessa Williams is who I'm talking about. Vanessa Williams is a lot of fun in there. And the... It, it manages to do what ABC Studios does best, which is just, like, flashy, bright, really entertaining television that, like, once every three episodes manages to put in a little nugget of wisdom. You know what I mean? Just a little like, oh, that's good writing. 
wish there was more of that, but that's like, that's a really important point. I'm glad that character said that to that other person because we overlooked that as, you know? So Ugly Betty had just enough of that to be like, all right, yeah. Nice. Yeah. So uh, rest in power. 